human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hi, everyone. This is Shaman Dirk, and I'm so happy you're here. And I'm so happy that you're on this planet, being able to witness all the amazing energies that are showing up in your life right now. Isn't it exciting to feel that energy rising in your spine, rising from your stomach, rising in your mind, and empowering your energy, knowing that there is great things showing up in your life right now. And all of those beautiful things that are showing up are bringing prosperity, love, healing, nurturing, and understanding and deep wisdom into your life so that you can affect change not only in yourself, but in the people around you and then globally. And that is so powerful. Do you feel that warm energy building up in the center of your chest? Can you feel that energy that's all around you right now that's pre-mating this beautiful love energy all around you, this pure unconditional vibe, well, it feels good, doesn't it? Well, I know it does because I feel it and I know you feel it too and it's powerful. So I'm happy that you're here with us and you get to be and witness an amazing show and download some amazing information to take with you, beautiful gems of wisdom to share in your life. So get ready for an amazing show and always remember, I love you. Hi, everyone. This is Shaman Dirk, and um, I'm so excited about our show um, today. Um, special guest star, uh, Bonnie Wright, and she's a friend of mine. I'm sure you all remember who she is. She was in, um, she was Guinea in Harry Potter. Um, she's an amazing person, a beautiful soul. I'm so happy to welcome her to our tribe. Um, as you know, I bring in different people to speak about different things, to join our tribe, to share conversation, and to be with all of us. And it's an honor to have Bonnie we had such a wonderful time yesterday, um, spending the day eating raw food, laughing, just having a good time. And uh, it's really nice to have her on the show. She is a magical, a magical being, you know, as she was when she was in Harry Potter. She's just as magical and more powerful than she ever was. She is taking life like by the by the grip and really, you know, swimming her way through a lot of of about of world changes and making um you know very smart decisions about how she wants to affect the world in a big way she's amazing p powerful person i'm happy that we're friends i'm happy she's in my life and um you know just so much i can learn from her so much we can learn from each other so it's so wonderful to have her and i love her so much <laughs> hello hello my love hi so anyway, so I wanted to um, just, you know, um, I wanted to just kind of go into, um, I'm sure you heard how I introduced you and everything, because you really are truly magic. And, you know, and I think that, you know, with you and I and what we're going to do in this world and what we're actually doing in the world and what we're going to continue to do, and just getting people on board is so beautiful. But let's talk about, let's talk about your beginning um, stages in the land of magic, yeah. which is... Just a wonderful thing. And for those of you who are watching, by the way, magic is real. 
So let's, you know, so even though you see the whole Harry Potter, you know, Bonnie can tell you that the magic does exist. It's in all of us. It's true. It's very, very true. And I think it's incredible that, you know, J.K. Rowling created this world that that we could go home to and realize that magic is, is real and, and there's a family to, to return to that, that Harry discovers. And I definitely loved, loved being part of that. Yeah, absolutely. So tell when you first, how old were you when you first, and I know a lot of these things, but I'm just sharing it with things, but how old were you when you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was nine years old when I began in the film. So super, super young and it lasted for 10 years. So I was nine till I was 19. What was it like when you first found out that you were going to be in this this movie series? Or was it even a movie series at the time when you found out? Well, I guess at first, I mean, I think I think three books had come out when we first started filming. Um, so I think everyone knew that. I mean, it was very much aware that Joe was going to write the seven years of Harry's life at Hogwarts. But we all didn't know if for sure it was going to be seven movies, which obviously ended up being eight. but. It was film by film, really, at the beginning until probably about the fifth film did we suddenly realize and the producers all realized, let's let's kind of make sure we're all tied down and we complete this series. So it was, I mean, I completely stepped into the unknown and it was exciting and mysterious and unusual and, and everything was new to me and to most of the other cast as well. And that's what made it so lovely as an experience that, you know, it wasn't a solo experience. I experienced it with a group of, of other similar aged um, and similar experienced kids and to adults. So what was it like on the set being a kid? Did you get to play? Did you have fun? Were you excited about? I know, I know for me, because as you know, I'm a shaman and I grew up in the world of magic. So for me, I always felt like the kid who belonged at Hogsworth, but you know, I never got the invitation. <laughs> the way I had to teach. I had to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to have been in there in a second. But what was it like going into that amazing energy, mm -hmm. that, that land, the, 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 the story as a kid and being a part of that power? It was incredible. I think we were so, you know, that the, the magic of filmmaking was so real to me. That was something that I was so inspired by. These sets that were created by... Stuart Craig, who's an incredibly talented production designer, was so real and so steeped in that the tone that J.K. writes in. So they felt so magical and beautiful. I mean, the Great Hall was huge set to step oh, in. And, and it was also, and the costumes and the detail and everything were just so rich in terms of, you know, the imagination that was just sparked the minute that you stepped on set was so helpful in terms of performance. I think especially for us as, as you know, new and young actors, I think it really helped us the minute we put on our robes and we, we stepped inside of the Great Hall. It was like you instantly transported to this other place. And I think it did become that for me. And I think I realized that upon finishing the films, what a, you know, a kind of, world bubble vortex that I that I sort of dived into and became part of only really made sense when the movies finished like on reflection when they became part of the past I, I suddenly sort of saw them differently 
And would you do, um, you know, I was saying, we were saying last night when we were hanging out that, you know, if this world, this, you know, that, you know, J.K. Rowling's got this world from some dimension. She, you know, because when anything we write, we're channeling it from another dimension and she's bringing it to our dimension and to our world. Did you feel like um, your character as Guinea has a lot to do with who you are as, as, as who you are as Bonnie? Yeah, it's funny, I think, as well, when you when you take on a role for so long at that time, it's so, you know, you, you the, the lines begin to blur as to sort of who you are and who the character is. And I think that probably happened for a lot of us. Like, you spend so much time with this character, you sort of begin to think, you know, am I just playing me or is the, she part of me? And I think it was more in the sense that I admired a lot of aspects of her. As Ginny, she was very, you know, the female characters that, that she wrote, Joe Rowling wrote, were so strong and so powerful. And, you know, she's very sporty. She's a Quidditch player. I always was such a tomboy. And, you know, I didn't have all those brothers, but I had one brother, older brother, and I understood that love and that male kind of quality that you have when you have an older brother to look up to and what that does to you as a person and as a woman. And I really admired the sort of warrior quality that I really love to play into and perform into. Yeah, I guess I did, you know, we all did in a way become part of those characters. You know, you spend so long in with something. It's quite unusual. It's not really like any other acting experience when you go and you sort of give it your all for a few months and then you release that character well, how do you? So my thing is interesting. Being a shaman, I always tell a lot of my friends who are actors and actresses that they're actually channing, channeling a spirit into their body. Do you feel like Guinea is is a, another being in another dimension who lives in that magical world? And you and because J.K. Rowling tapped into that, brought it into our world. And you stepped into that space, but the spirit chose you to play that role, which is because it, it has a lot to do with who you are as a person and the way that you look at life. Yeah, I think, you know, when I first got the role, you sort of uh, just in a daze and you think, why me? And what what's the reasoning behind like the casting of me? I have no experience. Like, why why have I landed into this? But I think the beauty of it happening at that age is I didn't really question that too much I just sort of went with it because I think you do when you're younger and you have that fearlessness that sort of you don't question the things that are kind of a waste to question and why not just roll with it and be present to it so I think the beauty of it happening when I was really young is was that I was just like okay cool you know you just sink or swim and you just you swim you know and then in terms of it in another realm I think I think why Harry Potter is so hugely loved by so many people and will continue through time is that the the world that she tapped into is so rich of mythology astrology herbology all these different things that she's so knowledgeable and passionate about have come through and not only have they come through and just referencing like you can do with that knowledge but also just there's like a a feeling and a, a reverence that she has for those other worlds and other dimensions that like come through I think so strongly and I think that's why when anyone's reading the book they can have their own take on the magical world and of Hogwarts because you can almost walk the corridors yourself and I think that's the feeling you get when you read these books is that you can almost have your own sort of Hogwarts avatar and walk around and be 
with these people and with these characters and it makes it accessible in a way that I think, you know, those magical worlds necessarily aren't so much in storytelling, especially popular culture kind of storytelling. So, yeah, I mean, I think the world and the phenomena that's come out of Harry Potter does make it almost feel like it's, a you know, a world that is like there for us always to tap into. That's interesting that you said that because my whole theory is that this world is magic, mm-hmm. but magic has been lost on this world. And, you know, and then I wish and I showed you some of my magical powers last night. And, you know, I show people I'm always I'm, my whole thing is about bringing magic back to the planet mm-hmm. and really showing people that it's not that magic does exist, but you need to know how to find it and bring it back. And it's like, because we've been so pulled into the industrial age into technology and all these things, it's taken us away from the sensitivities of those energies and being able to tap into those realms and tap into the energy that's there. And I think that what Harry Potter did was there's a part of all of us that knows magic is real. And there's a part of all of us that wants to be able to move things with our mind, that wants to be able to make something float across the room. There's that part of us inside that, that is seeking to the part of who we are before we've taken this form that knows that there's some kind of power that exists, but why can't we tap into it? And I think that what, what Harry Potter did was give people a sense of holding on to that beautiful spark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I think like similar things that we spoke about yesterday, this idea that if something doesn't look like us, like another human being, then it's like terrifying and we'd prefer to sort of, you know, put a veil or like kind of block that sort of other dimension and other world. And I think it's a strange thing when we constantly daydream of things that are beyond us and look different and look more mystical or or have like a reverence. But yet the reality of accepting something that operates differently than us or thinks differently than us or can do things differently than us or maybe we can do things similar to them but we don't you know it looks too foreign or we're too you know we're too scared to be vulnerable to allow that to come through and to come in um Mm -hmm. i don't know i guess for me like a a huge word for me that i probably think as and say every hour is mystery i think it's such an attractive quality in other people it's such a thing that makes me kind of be intrigued by things or write stories and and create mystery and Mm -hmm. and and the idea of thinking the the amount of layers that we're yet to see or yet to experience or feel and maybe you kind of felt like i started to you know with with some of the stuff that we did yesterday and that just like that excites me so much that limitless mystery that that is here and available to us right and when i when i taught you how to pull electricity through your body in from the spirit world and as soon as you say i'm not afraid and i show you how to harness electricity you can feel it yeah you know and it's because I was in London and um, the London Times did a, did a story. I mean, they brought in like one of the biggest skeptics. They wanted to see like if I really had powers. And so they brought me in and they're like, she's like, I'm just gonna let you know if I, if I, if, if, if this isn't real, I'm going to write about it. And I was like, okay. And at the, through this session, I was teaching her how to like, to connect with the, the different realms and different dimensions to pull magic into her body. Mm. And when she felt these energies pass through her and when she saw the visions and the images and the, and the things that happened, she was like, oh my God, this is real. Yeah. And she had to literally, she had to leave 
Bonnie, and walked down Trafalgar Square for a long time. And I had another person coming in to interview me. And she came back and she's like, I have to change my whole interview. I have so many questions for you. And she wrote a beautiful article. And in the article, she said it felt like she was at Harry Potter's. No, really? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so with your, with, you know, um, let's, let me ask you this question. What's your favorite spell? There was one I used to like because it was so destructive called Reducto that I did in, in Harry Potter. My character did. But I think at the end of the day, the simple Lumos, which is the light at the end of the one that brings light. Yeah. I mean, we all need more light. <laughs> so that's uh, beautiful. Uh, what do you think based on, on, on my personality? Do you think I, I belong? Because, you know, I did the whole Harry Potter test yeah. to see which house I belong in. Yeah, you're do you think I, Do you think you're I fit Ravenclaw? Ravenclaw? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm very, very Ravensclaw, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the real magic. Um, I don't say the real magic because that's even, that's because everything is magic. But let's talk about the magic that you're living in your life right now. Since <laughs> you've been on Harry, well, Harry Potter, you've taken that experience and you now become a director, um, an activist. Let's talk about how you are now taking everything that you experience and bringing that to the world. What, what's that like being, being on, in, outside of that whole Harry Potter experience and now going into these other areas of your life? I guess for me, going, finishing my education, going to university and having sort of a few years to, to go and kind of study that was just for me. Like, I think I needed to sort of like get a bit of ownership back on some experience of mine that had been so kind of collective and so huge. Like I loved going back, going to study and to sort of finish my degree and, and work in, in what well, I did my degree in directing and writing and filmmaking and just begin to make much smaller scale projects that felt like that they didn't need to even go anywhere. They were just like, for me, like to, to sort of work again, almost from the ground up and sort of work out what, what stories I wanted to tell and what my voice was and, and just go, just kind of completely go into a different world. And it's because, you know, Harry Potter movies are just so big, you know, they're so vast and they're so unusual. Um, so that was what was really important to me to sort of go back to basics almost and sort of build from the ground up in a way that felt like I could take full kind of, yeah, ownership and choice over. And out of that slowly, my love for directing kept kind of going and continuing and, and just, just learning. I feel like I've been in such a state of uh, and stage of, of just learning really and, and just experiencing and, and learning from making. I think that's often something that, you know, you can, we can all go to school and we can take lessons, but until we do things and we actually take actions, I don't think you can really. I agree learn. with that. 100%. You know? I think just from making films and making mistakes and making things I didn't like and don't like now, you know, but loved in the moment or maybe other things that I hated then, but realized how important they were for a process of, of mine. Um, that's been really important. And then I guess for me, the, the activism work and, and the work that I've done with different organizations have been, I guess they've always been that the time that you can give over sort of money that you can give to organizations has always been a really important thing to me, just from the sense that from quite a young age, I was always so interested in giving my time and doing different sort of things through school or through my family that were somehow going to a cause that was, you know, 
for someone who couldn't be heard or something that was beyond my experience. And I then realized that, you know, when I first got really into working with charities and organizations was when I was really young. And I know and, and love the fact that the audience that I speak to are, you know, naturally and through Harry Potter much younger. And I think it's really important to feel empowered at that age when A, you start yeah, aligning completely. with things that you end up probably carrying for the rest of your life in terms of like aligning yourself with causes and issues that you probably will naturally hold dear to you for quite a long time. And just that empowerment to realize that the time that you can spend helping things or your social voice or different things is as important and if not more than people who are financially able to donate and different things. So I've just been so so lucky and grateful that I've had this platform to speak upon. And it's not even, it hasn't even come from a sense of feeling like, oh, I have this platform, I should speak up and, and you know, talk about Right, no, it's coming from a race. Yeah, yeah, as I know you, you are, you are a fully authentic person. And that's what I love about you. Thank you. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, and also, I think that that dialogue is so priceless in terms of to know and understand what people want or maybe what they're struggling with to understand about certain causes and issues. It's such a quick way to have a dialogue with people to, you know, you might think that something's a clear story of something that's happening in this world that's, you know, unjust, but then you realize, oh, wait a second, maybe actually that cause and effect people aren't quite understanding and there's an education around it that needs to be maybe communicated better that maybe hasn't been or just like putting topics and dialogues on people's radar that they naturally may have not come across. I think it's important, especially with the client, the social climate right now. I think that a lot of, um, you know, especially young, because I work with people all over the world, as you know, working and dealing with a lot of issues is also, you know, getting out of the victim consciousness and realizing that you can do it. You can start in any area of your life, you know, mm -hmm. um, and really kind of how do we bring that, that focus with all the stuff that's going on in the world, I feel like people sometimes feel like overwhelmed, you know, and I think what's happening is I think this is a time for us to kind of like use that overwhelmingness as a way to break through to a creative aspect of ourselves so that we can actually go beyond what we actually see. I call it being being the true rebel, right? And being the true rebel is like utilizing that energy that's actually affecting you, causing you anxiety, causing you stress. You see it on the news, you hear it from other people and taking mm -hmm. that energy and bringing it in and using that to bring art, to bring creativity, to have a voice, to go into something that you're actually supportive of, be it an organization, mm -hmm or so forth yeah because naturally i mean all these issues are like overwhelming you know they are truly overwhelming and you know often most of the time you hear the reaction that it's like well anything i do just won't make any difference you know and you and you just like you just relinquish your power just like in that one quick second yeah and i think like you're saying i think it is so systemic so many issues are so big that in a way the only way that any big change is going to happen is if we start you know breaking down the systems that are clearly like not working right now and, and like having new, new ones that they're only going to come about if we think out of the box and we think laterally and we think creatively and, and we work together to sort of, you know, you know, it's like we were talking about, you know, the abilities of scientists and mathematicians, like they're actually incredibly creative lateral thinkers that have learned all of the equations and they've learned yeah, the exactly and then they throw them all away and they think of some ridiculous far-fetched idea 
And then they suddenly prove something that people have spent years trying to figure out. And it's only happened in that, you know, that way. And I think, yeah, it's just thinking of some, some sort of crazy new methods to, to the madness. I think that, I think that one of the things I always say is that in order for us to fix the planet, you know, we have to first fix the imbalance on the planet. You know, one of the first imbalances was, you know, when we first came to earth was, um, our parental system, the parents' mm-hmm. idea of what's good and, and what's good and what's not good, they not be right for us. So someone's idea of like, if you do this, you're going to get rewarded. And if you don't do this, you're going to get punished. It's the same idea that we were taught about God and creation, which is like, if we don't do this, we're going to, if we go to, if we do this, we're going to go to heaven. If we don't do this, we're going to go to hell. It's the same Santa Claus. If you do good things during the year, Santa's going to put gifts under the tree. If you don't do good things, you're not going to get gifts under the tree. And I think what that does is it makes people go against their true nature because, you know, as a child, you're being told this by your family. But let's say, for instance, you're an artist and your family's trying to push you into something more academic, but you're, you came to earth to be an artist and it's through your art that's actually going to transform the world. Or maybe it's your voice or maybe it's your, your creative ideas that come out of you. And I think what happens is that we get so caught up in wanting to be liked and wanting to be loved because that's what we were told that makes us good, quote unquote, good, that it limits us from our ability to see who we truly are. And I think that when we don't see who we truly are, we don't know how we can utilize our power to actually take action and, and, and make changes in the way that we really, really want to. And if we if we stop for a second and go, wait a second, our school system is not working for us. It's not trying to, like, the system isn't about getting to know us. It's about seeing if we're really good at being uh, following rules and being slaves and building for the system. It's not like we come to Earth and they're like, okay, we want to know why you're on this planet, what you've come here to bring. So we're going to open this container of freedom for you with love and, and also boundaries so that you can explore who you are and we can help you from wherever you explore to be able to bring that out into the world. But we have a system that says, here's what's available at school. And I remember for me, I remember going to school and looking at, I remember talking, being in history class and I asked my history teacher, I'm like, why am I in this class? You know, and she was like, because it's history. And I was like, yeah, but history should be teaching us something and nothing's changed. So how is this really history? This is actually happening right now, (laughs) you know, and, (laughs) you know, and then I couldn't understand, like, why do I have classes that are like this when I'm a person who is very um, about you know, the spirit world, the energies, talking to the people on the other side, seeing through the dimensions. There's nothing here that's supporting any of that. So I have no place. This is no place for me. Yeah. And then you're, you know, I remember already thinking that I stopped doing some subjects at school because in that moment when I was 15, I just, you know, in the UK system, you're already dropping a lot of subjects by the time when you're 15. I mean, what, what did I, you know, I didn't know. And my mind was changing and developing all the time because that through those years from day to day, you can feel like a different person, let alone like from year to year. And I think so much change goes on during those times. How can you be sort of boxed and boxed and jump through all these loopholes or not loopholes, but you know, these kind of exam kind of stages that we go through like what does that even I mean there's just no room to move you get so boxed in so quickly that there's no you kind of you do this and this person won't like you do this and you'll fail at it in your mind and and I think there's just no there's no room for like a 
playful creativity that can allow you know joy in or it can allow new thought in new ideas in or you know the spirit in there's no it's like oh no 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 like i think it yeah, yeah. it's like oh oh watch out <laughs> yeah something gonna something <laughs> um, uh, someone said um do you keep in touch with the cast members I do. I do. It's a, it's beautiful that all of us have ended up in all different parts of this world and are all doing different projects and, you know, people getting married, having babies. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's like having school friends, you know, it's, it's this, and it's also, it was such a particular experience that no matter how much you try and explain it to anyone, you can't really quite explain it. But for us, we all experience that together. So this is kind of unspoken connection that is so grounding to be around like and to and upon finishing like reflect about you know reflect about what the process was and i feel like be you know there's a just a space to be really like honest with each other about what you know what the whole experience was and uh someone says any new film any um new film um what are your new film projects that you're working on yeah i have a couple of projects um i have a film of mine called medusa's ankles that i made quite well nearly like over a year and a half ago that's finally coming out in may um and that's an adaptation of a short story by a british author called as byatt and i'm proud of that piece i made a whole we built a whole set for that film and that was really cool like building an entire world and and it was it's very it's a very heightened, intense, kind of very sensory sort of film, which I love doing. And then I have two different projects that I'm writing. One that is very much inspired by my love of the ocean. And then the other one is um, with my friend Martin Hone, who we did a series last year that went to Tribeca Film Festival called Phone Calls. And this movie is a very interesting one that very lots of different supernaturally mystical elements come through. And it's called... At the moment, it's called Still Life. That sounds it's awesome. A, I can't it's a wait. Great movie that's all set in this one house, and the and the two. It's basically, I mean, essentially, the two protagonists are ghosts. So it's it's cool. Ooh, yeah. I love that. That's my world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, someone said, "What what is some of the things that you're excited about?" Um, in, you know, do you ever do, you, I mean, they said, do you think you're going to, um, ever get back into the Harry Potter, um, I guess, fam or movies, I guess, uh, another, um, another I Harry Potter. So. I mean, obviously now we have the Fantastic Beasts, um, movie that's, that I loved all of the animals that are great. I loved, great. loved, loved. And I think, I mean, I think, you know, our, what's beautiful about this story is that so many, I mean, it can go anywhere, literally. I mean, there's so many facets to it. And I think what's exciting now is it's, you know, the next chap chapters, like it's their time. And I think we had our time and I loved every minute of it. And I'm sure, I mean, you never say never if they suddenly wanted to do some other movie of our characters later on. But I think it's nice. It's quite nice. I'm quite enjoying being an audience member to, to her world now and watching the new things that come out of the series. It's cool, though, to, to see you all grown up and your kids are in magic school and there's like some new villains. Yeah. That would be really, that would be pretty cool. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to come to London and, and spend time with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I can dance, so we can dance together in, 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 in the, in the grand yeah, hall. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So going on with um, with uh, talking about the the ocean um, projects, the things. What I mean, how can people like? What is your message to the world when it comes to environmental care and love and acknowledging that it's not just about Coca Cola and sugar and poison, and like the system is actually poisoning us and taking away the magic in nature. Like for instance, in shamanism. You know, we have a uh, uh, in our training when we're kids, when we're chosen, we have this um, knowledge about nature and how nature holds all this powerful energy and that the water element is an imprintable source. It means that it's a living intelligence. It goes in your body. If you drink a glass of water, it reads all your emotions because water absorbs energy. It reads all of your emotions. You go to the bathroom, you pee. It goes into the back to the earth. The, the wind, the um, sky takes it and rains it down on the earth. The animals eat it in their food. And it literally tells nature about our, like who, what we're doing, what we're up to, you know, how we're adapting as human beings and when, what type of plants should be created and what type of plants need to be uh, more protective, what kind of animals, you know, it tells nature how to adapt. And it's so powerful, but not even just that, but even when I, when I do a lot of work in Iceland, we have the glaciers and each layer of the glaciers holds water from like hundreds and thousands of years, frozen water that is pure information from thousands of years ago and then gets released into the water and tells nature. And it's like, it's um, all this information of, of how we've lived as human beings on the crust of the earth. What do you, what, what would be your message, my love, for, for, for people in the world to really start thinking about these power um, and the power of, um, of preservation? Yeah, I think, I mean, what you say is such a powerful story in, in that sense of, you know, we've lost this dialogue with nature that, you know, is a two-way dialogue, you know, it's not, it, it's we can gain so much we can give so much and i think we've just taken and taken and taken and taken so much and and not listen back and i think that's so much is that can be learned just by listening and i think so much can i think for people you know like you say there's the there's the there's the people behind it in terms of the corporations that you know need to sort of stop the way in which they do um you know the way, way in which they package and 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 pr provide our goods and the way in which just pollution at a, such a grand scale can only be stopped if unfortunately the powers that be can really be sort of shifted but before that and looking at the individual and what we can do i think it's you know really spending some time to understand what nature is to you as an individual and in what ways you don't have to look very far. Like it's right here. We're like the first part of nature is ourselves. You know, we don't even have to look and go into a forest or onto a beach. Like we are of it, you know, and we're from it. And I think it's just, just connecting and finding like your connection to nature and not necessarily one that you feel put upon or you feel like you should revere or have a passion towards, but maybe something, even if it's like a favorite you know, I don't know, specific kind of species of animal or blade of grass or something that makes it feel like there's something that's a quiet dialogue that you have. And I think through that compassion mm -hmm. that you can have that is a connection that you can own, I think you'll begin to take ownership and realize that we should own up to the fact that, you know, we're 
massively disrespecting and disregarding the future of our planet and the future of ourselves and and i think so much is outside out of mind especially with the ocean you know it's so vast and it's so uncharted and ununderstood that it's out of sight out of mind and and you know not everyone can can look upon it and think and see its damage but just to to understand that it is all there and it is you know this this stuff's happening and like you say about the water coming through us and back into the into the earth this isn't something like oh you know birds and whales and turtles are dying this is like no it's you know it's all this plastic is ending up in our bloodstream and in our air and it's horrible to think that really no one's going to do anything about it until it starts affecting human beings but that is i guess yep. the way that we yeah. go because until it starts affecting us in that ego way do we really start caring about anything i mean isn't that a whole i mean isn't that i mean that's the thing is like why do we have to get to the point of pain and i i I, gave, I just gave this lecture in um in europe about this it's like why do we have to get to a point of suffering and pain in order to make change on our planet yeah i think it's just that also that uh, that feeling that we just think we are naturally going to survive, like that we're going to survive. Like if you think of the greater cycles of this earth that it's been through in terms of like who, you know, what animals and what species have walked this planet and the evolution that have made how we look, how we look now and different things. It's just to think that we would think so highly of ourselves and obviously technology and science has made it so, and, you know, curing diseases and different things have made it so obviously our life expectancy is pretty long and pretty solid but maybe not and maybe like it isn't going to be our time always like there are bigger cycles i kind of believe in that there are bigger cycles that in order for the earth to be healed and 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 to sort of keep going maybe there are greater cycles that mean that one day like we aren't the species that's or like we don't look the same as we walk this planet or maybe we become part of the water again that's why yeah. i hope we just go back and be you know part of the ocean again and the ocean takes over but that's just my <laughs> strange world because i want to <laughs> you probably need to go to the ocean planet there's a planet out there exactly. in space that's all just water um, but <laughs> i think in all of it it's just understanding you know if you see nature in yourself and you see how powerful nature is then you realize that you are powerful too. And I think you have power to make choices, you know, we, and you know, you have, you have power to, you know, we all have money that we spend, you know, and we have a power to decide to curve and change the way we want to spend money. So it aligns with the type of sustainability that we want to be, you know, a part of, or, and I think that's the important thing, you know, to realize like, oh no, I won't buy that because I don't, I don't support their, you know, lack of sustainability plan they have within their company. So I'm going to decide to not buy that. And I think exactly. so much as well 100%. as like convenience, you know, we were talking about that yesterday, this idea that, well, an entitlement, you know, you think, well, I can get some, I'm allowed to have that. And why can't I have that? It's always been like that for years, drinking my drink out of that type of packaging or buying my food. Why shouldn't I, why do I have to change what I'm doing? Like, why can't they just find, and like you do, there is like a responsibility of realizing that it has to align with things you believe in. Otherwise you're just talking things into a, you know, in the same way that, you know, words can be, or names <laughs> like he who must not be named in a political sense. Like if you speak right, right, right. Things, you know, all the time, <laughs> then you're just gonna, you're just in, in end 
celebrating and, and canvassing like you suggested for those people. Whereas if you're going to speak into reality, this desire to protect nature, protect the ocean and, and look after our environment, then like your actions need to reflect that. And, and I think it's just realizing that you can do it. And every tiny little thing all adds to a greater yeah. energy that's shifting. Well, I think that people, I think, you know, what I teach people is, um, is that they're doing magic all the time. Like every time they say, I can't do something, a spirit comes from the spirit world and makes sure they can. Mm -hmm. Or if they say, um, if they say like, you know, life is really hard, yeah. then a spirit comes, makes it hard for them, you know? And then if they say, oh, you know, things are going to be so difficult. I don't know if I should go down that path the spirit immediately comes and makes it difficult for them because they don't see that they are, every human being on this planet has, has pure magic in them. Mm -hmm. And so they have the, they, they, every time they open their mouth, they're waving their wand and creating the things that are actually showing up and happening in their lives. And really like, I took a group of people, I had one group of people say for a whole week, all of the things like I can't, this and that, all the things. And I call it cursing yourself because they're using magic against themselves. And everything went bad for all of them for the whole week. Everyone who did the opposite in my other group um, that I did, everything opened up for them. All these amazing things happened for them. They met the most amazing people, all these things happened. And I think what happens is that we, have to mature our language to realize that we're, every time we think and we open our mouths, we're, we're creating. Yeah. And that, like, God, things in you know. You can speak something into a reality. Like, I really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, the whole consciousness of God being this kind of like Santa Claus theory, I think God truly is, is just pure magic. And we're, we're operating it. So if we think we should be punished, then the magic's going to make the yeah, to creation. God is going to make sure we get punished. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is the language in which you use, you know, and in the same way that I very much believe, or I just said it there, but I like if you, you know, the more we say we as a collective and us as a community and us together, we, then we will feel like we are a we and we can do it and we'll feel more powerful if, if it's sort of, if you end up speaking things of, of hate and I, and I think this and I hate that and I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like using the language to why not focus on the things you do like, and then maybe more of them will come into your, you know, day to day. So what's our what's our word? Uh, be, uh, you know, we're either creating uh, the solution or we're being the pollution. Yeah, and you can, yeah, especially I think now with with the accessibility of social media and and for us to feel like we intimately know people, like the the dialogue and the the language that you're using is like really impressionable and impactful to people who might you know look up to certain people or even they're just their friends and their community we have a responsibility to help one another to inspire each other and and to 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 not pollute the environments we're in even if it's just like a group of friends together you know not allowing yeah. anyone to pollute the conversation or the dialogue that's going maybe across the table at lunch and redirecting it to to positive language and not getting stuck kind of talking about people and menial things that aren't serving anyone any that's not doing anything nothing. yeah yeah so um one of the questions was what's it like is it different being in front of the camera or behind the cam or in behind the camera uh it's very different i the reason why I think I've really responded to being behind the camera is because, A, I'm quite an observer and I love to see, like, I love to 
understand the dynamic of how a crew work together. And I feel like I, I feel like I have a sort of intuitive nature to me to enable departments to work together and to sort of direct each of them to kind of come to a greater, like to come to one thing together. Like, and I think you have to look and see things quite laterally for that to make sense. And I think I'm, I just want to be a part of every, from the sort of birth of the idea to the development and the fruition and then for it to actually happen. I love to be part of every element of that. Oh yeah, you're definitely, you're definitely a part, yeah. You're definitely hands on every department. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think, you know, I I guess in the end, I realized that I really wanted to tell some of my own stories. Um, And, you know, with acting, you are coming in to tell someone's story that's been written, which is obviously also a beautiful experience to do. But for me at this time, I feel like I had, (laughs) maybe, maybe it's like, I don't know, maybe I just had, too much that I wanted to say and I felt like the roles that were out there to say them through were not quite speaking to me in a way that I felt like the stories that I wanted to explore I didn't feel like I could find basically in that moment and I mean I I like that it has very I mean I'm a very like I, I'm a very like hands-on very I love the tactility of directing like it's quite you know you're there's a quite there's a physical element to it well, you can choose to be maybe more of a physical director or, or not, but, and the technical side of things, like just really getting into understanding, um, you know, I might not, I know that I can't shoot a scene like a cinematographer can shoot a scene, but to to understand and learn from them has just been such a interesting experience to technically learn from each of the departments in a way that like, I just wouldn't have learned if I wasn't trying to create a scene but yeah, I don't know. I just, I love storytelling, you know, no matter what, if it's film or if it's just talking to you now, or if it's, you know, taking a photo or anything, it's, it's, a, it's you're telling a story, same as, you know, activism, you're telling a story or you're giving a voice to someone that doesn't have a voice or I think all of it is like about communication and the passing on of, of a story, which is something that we don't do, you know, in terms of, you know, things we learn about the world, each other, ourselves were often learned through storytelling and, and folk tales and folklore and, you know, sitting around a fire and sharing things. And I think that sharing of yeah. skills and story is just not something we do. And like, I love learning skills and I love learning quite, you know, in that kind of craftsmanship way. And so, yeah, so storytelling. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, it's true. I love this thing that uh, this woman, uh, someone, I don't know who they are, but they said, Niramina Mara said, I learned that if sacred words are used appropriately, they would be keys for gateways towards other worlds and magic power. Amazing. Oh, wow. And you know what uh, I have to say? It's true. Yeah. It's so true. I, I teach people that all the time, how to connect into those energy. Someone said, favorite Favorite Harry Potter um, uh, series? Favorite, uh, uh, which, which one? one? Which chapter? Oh, um, as a book, I love The Order of the Phoenix because you suddenly get introduced to all these these aura characters and and Sirius Black and, and you suddenly realize that there are this whole sort of underground collective of these great adult wizards that are doing great things to, to triumph over evil. And so I really loved and was inspired by those characters. And then... For me, I guess making was the Chamber of Secrets and then the Deathly Hallows part two with the the Battle of Hogwarts were my two like big, big ones for me. Um, but it's, it's yeah, hard. I like it I feel when like you kick Bellatrix. According to my mood. 
I like that you kicked Bellatrix's butt at the end. Yeah. I was so happy. Because, <laughs> you know, as you know, what, what professor would I be if I was in oh, Harry yeah, Potter? Defense against the dark arts, for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, Yuval Raj says, comment what books you're reading right now. What books are you reading right now? Um, yeah, I've just come to the end of this great book by Philip Pullman um, that was uh, essays on, his, on storytelling. Just like they're a collection of basically lectures he's given or article he's articles he's written about storytelling and i've just loved every bit of it he wrote um his dark materials series and very much works in you know this idea of you know he's very sort of in love and obsessed with folklore and storytelling in that way and and what we can learn by you know fairy tales and 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 the structures that exist within yeah you're gonna send me that on whatsapp right and then because i want to get that uh, my brother bought me like a bunch of books. My, my, there was very much a strong theme. I usually get, get a lot of books um, over the holidays and a strong theme was surfing in the water. So I got a great book called Mindfulness and Surfing um, that I'm enjoying. And what else? I've been on like a real non-fiction kick at the minute. I feel like I should dive into some more fiction and get. Bonnie, are you a vegan? Are you a vegan? We had vegan food yesterday vegan. for dinner. I, I'm not a vegan. I believe in. I believe in balance of all things in terms of never focusing too much on too many food groups or understanding that some farming and some produce is not necessarily sustainable and things. I think, I think, I think all things in balance. I feel like I, I know that my health is not very great on a, such a specific diet like veganism. And I think certain things of certain fads of foods that come out can realize that they can sometimes be quite detrimental to maybe the country in which that's from, like certain grains that become like super, super popular. Suddenly we suddenly take away these grains become that toxic, are really yeah. important for um, other, you know, for the, for the culture in which they're from, that these are these staple things that people have survived off for hundreds of years. And then suddenly they become popular um, and they have to export all of their produce that they've spent their entire life you know, eating and surviving from. So I think with all things, I think it's, I think it's balance and making sure I, my main thing is just eating seasonally. No, that's good. Actually. I like that. I'm more, I like, I'm, I'm vegan, but sometimes I have a hypocritical side. It depends. Mm -hmm. It comes, it comes, you know, it depends what's on the table, but mostly I'm vegan between vegan, raw and vegetarian. And I love Ayurvedic. Yeah, what I did you think Ayurvedic. of the vegan food, the restaurant that I took you last night? What Did you like the food? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. I loved it. It was yummy. I just did like it? any did dark, it? leafy greens I can just eat plates of. The, the kale colossus yeah. was good, right? I mean, I spent, I only, but it, it, I mean, I, I've never ever in my life eaten red meat. So I've never eaten, I've never eaten beef. I've never eaten, uh, no, pork's not red meat. But like, there's a lot of foods I just grew up never eating and I never have. Uh, let's say, uh, do you like Alan Rickman? I do. I was so, we were all so, so sad to see, to, to experience his passing. He gave such an incredible, incredible, um, um, character of Snape to the Harry Potter series that was just such a complex character, such a complex human being that, you know, shows that we can sometimes, you know, misinterpret people and sometimes people can commit their entire life quietly suffering for a greater good you know um and i think his character was amazing and he as a person was just phenomenal i mean you know we were just so lucky to be surrounded by all these incredible actors that 
I mean, they were just, just to observe and watch. I love him. I love him. Yeah, he's amazing. And he's, so he's the kind of teacher that, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's the way that. He's the teacher you like terrified to have that secretly one. He's wonderful. And he's also, he also um, is the teacher, a professor for the Against the Dark Arts, yeah, right? Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, that's why I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I spend most of my life protecting people. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, you know, so talking about um, the Harry Potter and everything that, that you experience with it, what do you feel was the thing that you learned the most? In, in leaving because you did you what is it wasn't it was a six was it was it eight years old to 19 nine till 19 nine to 19 that's a very long time yeah, big. so you so when you were on set your you did your parents what were your parents doing so i was really lucky my parents have and work for themselves they have their own business they're jewelry designers and and they have a company that allowed them to you know either one of them would come with me on set sort of you know took it in turn so i very much still had that sort of that that intimacy and, and love and protection of a of a family member every day that I was filming and that made everything so you know so lovely and I was so lucky that I was able to do that and that they were also part of the experience you know it wasn't something that I kind of went away and did how wonderful to share that yeah. with them and then my brother too um he came a lot on set my older brother and and he very much shared that experience with me which was amazing but I think I guess what did I learn the most? Um, oh, what was your takeaway? Like, what did, like, if you could go back and say, okay, like, this is what I got in those in those yeah, years. I think this is my big takeaway. I think for me, like, no matter what's, no matter what, no matter how big of an actor that the some of the, the you know actors that we worked with, or how famous of a cinematographer or director, or how you know highly regarded a you know costume designer you could be at the end of the day like every single person that I met and respected were always just such patient giving and incredible people and I think it just taught me from such a young age that just about integrity I think just to to think that like you can get to where you really want to be and still be an incredible person, you know? And I think that I've, that I've gone on to realize that anyone that I've ever really respected or loved and I've been nervous to sort of meet in case they're sort of terrible people that I don't like, I've, I've always been proved that, you know, if someone's truly, really good at what they do or very talented at what they do, they're always just amazing people. And I think it's realizing that you can be and have all of the things that you might want for your career and and still be a great person. Wow, 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 wow. What an amazing show. It's so awesome to have Bonnie Wright with her magic from the Harry Potter all the way to activism and to bringing information that is about really bringing change to the planet Earth. And think about the ways that you can bring change to the Earth too. It can even just start with a smile or a really genuine hug. You see, it doesn't take that much for us to make a difference in someone's life. And so all we have to do is go out there and share our love with people in the best way we know how, which is just being you in your authentic nature. Yes! 
amazing. I'm so excited for you to experience new shows and amazing shows here on Ancient Wisdom today. It brings me such pleasure to see you light up as these beautiful shows are streaming new information into your mind so that you can experience a whole new life with new experiences and amazing opportunity that is constantly showing up for you. So it is wonderful. So I look forward to seeing you again in the tribe. And remember, you can follow me at Shaman Dirk at Instagram, Shaman Dirk or Twitter, or check me out at www.shamandirk.com. And do me a favor. It only takes a couple minutes. Leave me a review. Share your love with people so that we can get the message, take down the matrix, and make some amazing things happen in the world. It's time for change. You're the change. I'm the change. Let's do it. See you next show. Love you. 